This is Queen speaking. What's the difference between a boss and a queen? When you're a queen, you're owning every aspect of your life. From work, to money, to relationships, there are no boundaries. You can't pause who you are. The challenge is how to own it. What makes you, you? We're in this together. Let's break out of our comfort zone and learn the tools to rise to our own potential. Hit your goals, then set the bar higher. Ready to join us? Hey, Sid. Hey, Brian. What is the latest? <laughs> What's a going on? <laughs> okay. Prioritization square update. Everything's going well. <laughs> Progress. That's all we want to see with you as you embark on this new plan. <laughs> one step at a time. Actually, one of the things, like for the summer one, I said like rosé for all categories as a joke. This time I put like change, like get comfortable with change in all categories. Ooh. And I feel like it is, it is happening. It is slowly but surely happening. But for this one, one of the things in my square, and I think I talked about this a few weeks ago, was the journaling piece of things mm-hmm. and how I had said that I didn't want it to be like a check a box thing. And I really wanted to like do it as it felt necessary and good. But I realize when left to my own devices, I don't do things that are necessary and good for me unless I have a plan in place. <laughs> so now that I know that... <laughs> knowing is half the battle. It really... And it helped a lot. It really did. So like you talked about last week, having that two-minute journaling thing. Was it two, what, mm-hmm. one or two weeks ago? Last week. Something like that. Yes. I've lost track. Last week. So the I will let go of, I am grateful for, and I will focus on has been like my guiding light for the last like week. So whenever we talked about that until now, I've been doing it every single day, every morning. And I'm, I'm telling myself like by 10 a.m. it has to be done. I have missed one day which I'm still upset about, but that's okay. And I will let go of being upset at myself about (laughs) missing missing a day, my journaling day, but tomorrow, tomorrow, entry done. (laughs) (laughs) Already check it off the list. But it feels really good because I feel like it's not just like a half-assed thing that I'm doing. It feels really intentional. I'm not just doing it to get it done. Um, And the other piece of it is I have to do, it's kind of like a killing two birds with one stone because I have to do like a 21 day project for one of my classes and I've decided to make it journaling. And so I've been doing this for myself, but it also like counts for school, which was also in my prioritization square was to really focus on like maintaining my stellar GPA and like staying on top of stuff for school. Um, So it's like actually dual purpose, which is nice, but I've just really been enjoying those prompts and they've been different every day. It's not like every day. So I'm grateful for like, my job every day I'm grateful for. Like, it's not like I'm writing the same thing. I'm really putting the thought into it and it feels really good. So that's my update. I think the practice of it too makes it easier for you to expand on that Mm -hmm. as time goes on too, because in the beginning you'll be like, I'm grateful for my friends and my family. And then you're like, why? Right, right. And even specifically today, I was able to, like, elaborate more. And it doesn't have to be, like, the journal that I'm using is, like, a little smaller. But I'm not letting, like, fear of overdoing it stop me from really, like, exploring how I'm feeling. Yeah. So that feels good. And you could write this out on just, you know, computer paper if you wanted. Seriously. I know that there was a special journal that was, like, advertised for this. But you saw it. I mean, I, like, taped over something else. (laughs) That, was that I got for free That's somewhere. Really 
So it worked. It worked. And it's like just the intention of doing it. I carry it with me all the time. That's the most important thing. I love it. I actually really, really enjoy doing it. So I'm an advocate for the daily journal, especially when it's like accessible and you have the appropriate prompts to do so. Love it. Doing it. Uh, What about you? What's going on? We had a conversation about money and relationships. We did. A couple weeks ago. Um, And it inspired me to revisit my budget. Nice. Or our budget, the couple budget, and think about um, where my money is going. Because as we talked about in the summertime, I was able to pay off my student loan officially, which now has freed up some extra funds in my budget. But I kind of was like, I'm just going to enjoy a few months of not doing anything with that money because I want to figure out what ends up being, what, where that will end up going. Right. Um, and so it actually helped me kind of figure out the direction that I wanted to go in. And in that time, I ended up having a couple conversations and was like, I need to start amping up some investments. And from a personal standpoint of just having a little bit more of a diversification in my budget and where the money's going. And obviously, you know, my 401k is something that's automatic through my paycheck, which is great. But I also want to have a couple other things that, um, that I'm working with. And so I ended up setting up an automatic payment to my IRA on a monthly basis. Check you out. So that fund is going to be getting a little bit of a boost, Mm -hmm. which I think is important. I was reading recently that said um, for women, a lot of the ways that it can be helpful for you to increase your savings wherever it is that you're actually doing it. But setting up those automatic payments makes it much easier for you because at the end of the day, if you're not seeing that money in your banking account, it's, you're not going to spend it, obviously. It doesn't exist, right. But, like, I think about all the time of, like, did I really miss that $50? Did I miss that $100 that I spent on this thing? And so it's sometimes just, like, I'm going to add this very similarly to what I was doing with my student loan of, like, mm-hmm. oh, I have an extra $300 at the end of the month that I'm not doing anything with. I'm going to invest it in this now. Right. right. So instead of putting it toward my student loan, I'm putting it toward my future. <laughs> Future, future, future. (laughs) (laughs) And so the other thing that I'm thinking about, too, is, like, what other platforms exist, like Betterment and Elvest, um, that might help with kind of, like, a little bit more of a short-term or riskier investments, because I have all my safety investments set. Right. So, like, now what do you look at? My my mom is part of a stock club, and she talks about it all the time. It's super cool. She talks about it. Like, I ask her, and she tells me about, like, what they're researching and what they're putting money into and what they talk about. And it's really awesome to hear about because it's that moment where it's, like, you get to do the research to figure out what you're doing with the group's money. So it's, like, a group hang kind of a thing. And it's, like, very inspiring to hear about because, you know, she's, like, reading about all of these, like, tech things and, like, certain things that are doing really well. And she educates me all the time. On like what I should be paying attention to, and she's always been really wonderful about like educating herself around things. Mm-hmm. And so like that's something I think about all the time. Is like, oh my god, what if I was in a stock club? I don't have the ability to be that in there right now. But like in addition to Elvest and Betterment and things like that, there's also like all these other options you can get into for that like education around specifically where to put your money too. Yeah, very cool. I'm excited to dive in. I never thought I'd be here. 
And look at you now. Look at me now. This is a great place to be. <laughs> and we're celebrating and we're doing it. So excited. All right. What is inspiring you this week, Sid? So this week, we have like similar-ish ones this week, as mm. I'm seeing. So mine is um, Insecure on HBO. I am freaking loving season three. They just wrapped. I just watched the season finale last night. It is just, like, I watched the first two seasons because there was so much hype around it. And I'm a big fan of Issa Rae, who is both the creator and the lead character in Mm -hmm. the show. But, like, I didn't, like, I was, like, I'm getting into it, but I'm, like, I'm just watching it because it's, like, hot right now. And, like, it should have gotten more nominations. I totally agree. But, like, I just wasn't there with it the way that I wanted to be. But then season three happened. And, like, everything in my world came together because... It just felt like it was talking right to me. Like, I I could identify with Issa and the way that she was kind of... And her character in the show is also Issa. And she just was like... She was dealing with someone who's ghosting on her and not being able to let go of that. And I've totally been there in a very real way. And, like, how, you know, figuring out your job and figuring out your next step and what you want to do with your life and what's worth putting all your effort into and, like, relationships with her friends. And I just was, like, I every episode just felt like my life in front of me and th- something that I could totally identify with. And it was just awesome. So if you're not watching Insecure on HBO... Get yourself someone's password and get to watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Or sign up for your own account. Or sign up for your own account. Whatever. (laughs) Whatever makes you feel good. You can't have mine, though, because I actually use ducks. (laughs) But we share. (laughs) Well, you live together, so that makes sense. So, yeah, I have the Hulu, he has the HBO. It's it's a, you know, it's a process. (laughs) But it's just, it's such a good show. And it was great the first two seasons, but... This was the first season I was like, and I just love what that show does and like what it represents and and how Issa writes and and how that show comes together. And the the characters on that show are awesome. The actors on that show are great. Um, And they have this thing called the wind down at the end of every episode where they like break down the episode. And it's just, I just, I love it. And I'm very sad that it's over, but it like gave me a lot to think about for the beginning of season four, which hasn't been announced yet, but I'm like. You blast through TV shows. You know, I've got one day usually where I can like power through all my shows (laughs) and I do a really good job of it. It's like one after the next, no stopping, just keep it going. So impressed. (laughs) It's very, it's it's my thing. It's what I love. <laughs> so that's my inspiration this week. Um, what about you, Ron? Mine is also a television show. <gasps> and in true Netflix form, I just randomly stumbled upon this. Mm-hmm. Um, the trailer just automatically started playing because the new feature, which is, it really irritates me. But in this case, I'm very grateful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this one time, <laughs> because it was this, okay. This TV show, I probably wouldn't have, like, I probably would have assumed that it was a kid's, like, a teenager. It is. So it's called Atypical. Um, and it... It hooked me. Yeah. So it's a Netflix original series, and there's two seasons so far, which is exciting for me because that means that I've got a lot to work through. Yeah. Um, but it's a, about a teenager, a teenage boy with autism, and how he's navigating dating as a, I think he's a high school senior. Mm-hmm. And it's just so real and heartwarming. And the way that they have developed the characters and the people that are in the, like, all the storylines within each of the individuals that are in the episode as the core audience, they 
are so relatable and also they do such a good job of like giving everybody a piece of the space on the tv show Mm -hmm. so it's not just all about sam who's Mm -hmm. the main character but also what his experience with autism has on all of his family members and friends and his girlfriend. Oh, spoiler alert. Sorry. Wow. Wow. <laughs> you are notorious for a spoiler. I am. You just are. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> um, but it's really interesting. And it's they do it in such a way that makes it funny and endearing, but also, like, heart-wrenching and so dramatic. Um But it's really cool because you can kind of see everybody's elements of self-discovery as they're navigating this, like, very intense period of their lives. And I think they just do a great job of making it accessible for everyone. And I think it's awesome that this is on TV because it's a story that needs to be told and just, like, giving perspective to what that experience is like, Mm -hmm. or if you're like an individual who just to give you as a person who um, like doesn't have to deal with that Mm -hmm. on a daily basis of like, hey, be kind to people. Right, right. I love this show. I've watched all of the the episodes. You've already seen this? (laughs) I've already seen the entire like two seasons. I've watched them all. Before me? Yes. How come you never told me about this? I felt like because that was one that Doug and I actually watched together, which we rarely have a show that we because like all my hospital shows he doesn't watch. He doesn't watch This Is Us with me. So there's rarely a show that we can watch together um, because I live for drama. And this show was one that we both really, really enjoyed for a lot of reasons. And I won't spoil anything for you, um, but it honestly only gets better. Like season two is just, it is everything that you talked about and even more. Um, I think, like you said, all of the characters are so well developed and you have like, like you have a reason to pay attention to every single one of them Mm -hmm. and their individual storylines. Sam is such a great character and so funny and so, so authentic. And I, and what part of the reason I love season two is Penny from um, Happy Endings is on the show and she has a great role. It's not a huge role, but it's like just perfect for her and the person that she is. And she's just, it's just hilarious. And it's like the real person and all that stuff. But it really reminded me of the show. I think it was called Speechless and it had Minnie Driver in it. And it was about the, um, Mini Driver's character's son has CP and like how he navigates his world and his family and all of those things. And I think Atypical is, is even better because it's Netflix. So they mm-hmm. have more room to do more stuff versus like a network show that has like some, some, I mean, I think it was really great for what it was, but I think they could have done even more if they were on like a Netflix or a Hulu or an HBO or something. Um, But it is, I like second that it's a great show, like power through them both, both the seasons. Well, I'm going to watch some later. Do that. I'm ready. It's great. Um, Okay, Brian, what are we talking about today? Uh, Give it to me straight. So in true nature of the podcast that we hear do today. <laughs> we hear people here, doing today. <laughs> this here work that we're doing. We're we like to talk a lot about what inspires us. But we also wanted to make sure that we dedicate time to who's inspiring us because yeah. I think there is a time and a place for us to talk about the women in the world that are paving the way for change. And whether it's 
something that they've done or a decision that they've made or a company that they've started or a fund that they've funded. Right. Sure. There's so many ways that we can look at this, but I think what is important is that there are people that kind of ignite this fire under us to pursue new options um, in our own life, think about things in a different way. What is it that we're doing now that we have this information in our hands? How can we better our own lives? And so I think what's cool about this is that we're going to make this a new monthly segment. And so you'll hear a who's inspiring us lately, uh, like, series segment every month. Every month. And so it's dedicated to great women doing great things and shedding light on these moments of bravery and inspiration that kick us in the pants. Yes. And I like I'm just excited that this is going to be an ongoing topic for us and I think the way we're going to do it is a little bit different than we originally like imagined, but the direction that we're going with it is just super exciting because like Brianna said, like having an opportunity to not just talk about the woman and like who she is, but also what we can then do with the impact that she's made mm-hmm. and how we like we talk about every week, like how do you go forward with this information and, and make your own impact and what do you do with that and what are your next steps? That's what this is really about is like looking at the impact that these women have made and then let's take it into our own lives and like let's push and let's fight and let's do this freaking thing because that's what we're here to do. That's right. Change, grow, learn, queen it out, queen it up. <laughs> queen it up. Queen it up all the time. Sounds like clean it up, which sounds bad. <laughs> well, anyway, <laughs> let's be the queens. Here we go. So, who is the inaugural woman in this series, Brown? Naturally, Christine Blasey Ford. Yes. And hold for applause. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just say, courageous woman. Yes. So, if you don't know who she is, I'm not sure how that's possible. That's okay. (laughs) But she's an American professor of psychology at Palo Alto University and a research psychologist at Stanford University School of Medicine. Props to this lady. Yeah. But recently she was in the news for uh, testifying against uh, Brett Kavanaugh, who is a Supreme Court judge nominee. Um, At the time of this recording, it's unclear what's happening right we're nervous we're scared yes um but she spoke to the senate judiciary committee in regard to being sexually assaulted by brett kavanaugh and it was a very intense moment for the world it was it was if you were watching like the testimony that day or if you read anything about it or if you had a chance to like check in on it at all i had an opportunity to like watch it live and it was just like heart-wrenching listening to her do her opening statement and the way people spoke to her some were very supportive some were not so supportive from the judiciary committee and it was this moment where you're just like oh my gosh like I am just shaking a little bit watching this because I can't imagine the strength that it took to do that knowing everything that would happen after that moment Mm mm-hmm it was just... It and was, she even knew. She was prepared. She was like, I don't want to have to do this, but I have to do this. Mm-hmm. And I know that I'm going to be ripped to shreds eventually at right. some point. Or mocked, which 
has already happened. President Trump has done so. Right. Which is, I will say it, infuriating. Yeah. Like, just, just disgusting. And it's, you know, I think the reason that we want to talk about her is because this is not you know, the first time we've heard about something like this happening. Anita Hill from the case from 1991, where she testified against Justice Clarence Thomas. And there's an op-ed that we'll share from Anita Hill from the New York Times about what the Judiciary Committee could do differently this time. And unfortunately, that doesn't seem to have happened for Dr. Ford. Um, But I think everybody kind of hearkened back to that moment when she was there telling her truth. And unfortunately, like statistically, what we saw was that more people believe Dr. Ford than believed Anita Hill. And that is just so sad. And to not understand the kind of strength it takes to speak your truth. And I don't care. I mean, if I could swear, I would swear up a freaking storm. But I don't care how long it's been. That is totally irrelevant in this in this moment. And I think when people talk about that specifically, about like, oh, it's been so long and all of these things, it's like, that's totally irrelevant. Like, if you have ever been or know someone who's experienced this kind of awfulness in their life, you know that it never goes away. And so for someone to feel like it was their, she said, her civic duty to stand up and talk about this and expose herself in a way that is just like to relive a moment that is makes you so raw and so exposed to criticism and awfulness and and shame is just just gross. So if that's your narrative, wipe the slate clean and like get yourself some education because that is the last thing anybody should be talking about. Yeah, and I think that that really feeds into why we're talking about this today because it's a little bit, it's not like, hey, let's tell her story. Mm-hmm. It's more like, okay, this has happened. We're all aware of it. What has Dr. Ford done for us now that will lead to, what is the impact of this moment that can lead to change or allow us as women to make s- certain and systematic choices and decisions and lead the way to actually like making something happen where it's like we're not running into the same situation like Anita Hill's like huh deja vu right right that should not be happening and so what are what are the things that we can do and what what's the immediate impact and I think for me one of the things that is so alarming and based off some of the articles I was reading it just was so surprising to think about how as a judiciary body Mm -hmm. The Supreme Court is supposed to be above Everybody. politics. Right. And what was evidenced in Brett Kavanaugh's testimony was that he, like, openly stated that everything that was happening was, was political. political and a plan and or- orchestrated by the left, right. in air quotes, yeah, <laughs> and the Clintons. Right. Which, and I, like, I can't say the Brett Kavanaugh thing without also thinking about Matt Damon's performance on the (sighs) SNL opening skit. Yes. And I was like, to me, it's like one and the same. (laughs) It really was very on point. It was kind of terrifying. It really was. Even like the facial expressions and like the sniffle thing, like, oh, just skeeves me out. Yeah. And so to have someone with that much rage and uh, just the pursuit to 
like emblazon an entire party Mm -hmm. as a result of someone saying, hey, this is a thing that you did and it's affected my whole life Mm -hmm. and I'm telling my story Mm -hmm. because it's important for the purpose of what we're doing Mm -hmm. right now here as a as a country in this very intense moment yeah and so it's terrifying to know that as a result of this if he does get nominated if he does end up on the supreme court then now we know that there's this person who does have a very strong political slant and there's a hand in different parties different party plays and it's very intense to be thinking about what impact that's going to have over our lifetime because he's going to serve on the highest court on the highest court till the day he dies and you think about it and he's like fairly young i think this has been kind of like the the uh, what's the word the kind of not narrative but what's the i can't remember the journey the pathway no (laughs) the waves because you made that motion oh gosh i'm like blanked right now but like with the last justice that was just appointed Mm -hmm. and then for brett kavanaugh both much younger than the average person being appointed to the supreme court so you think about like what like you said what kind of impact that's going to have for not just like a long time but like a really freaking long time because you think about how not just that they can serve for a lifetime, but that they genuinely do. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, people serve until the day they die. And, or, you know, not for Justice Kennedy because he walked away. But anyway, I think but it's that. Till in- death or retirement. Like <laughs> or retirement. And he. Lengthy life. <laughs> is elderly. So I get it. But, um, but I think thinking about, like, not just how we're feeling about this, but then, okay, so now what do we do next? What did this start? What did mm-hmm. what did we see like the social impact be from this moment? Like and I know everybody's got something to say about hashtags, but like they create movements that we can then um pile onto and and use and take offline and bring into like our everyday narrative and the way we talk to people and the way we um communicate about really intense, really awful things that happen in the day to day. Yeah, and I think the posts following that stated hashtag I believe her and she's someone on social media skyrocketed Mm -hmm. and I think that's important to to keep in mind of saying okay these are we've got a definite group of people who believe in this believe that this is something that we need to stand behind Mm -hmm. and figure out how to navigate this conversation but what do we do next right what does that actually lead to? And I think you brought up a good point when we were having this conversation offline mm-hmm. of what resulted um, in terms of just like people actually ending up reporting their their own right. sexual abuse cases or sexual assault cases. Um, and I think that that is something that we need to talk about. Right. Right. I think, yeah, because with those, with that comes the, um, the stories, right? So it's not just people saying like the hashtag, why didn't I report? But it is people genuinely coming forward. And I think about, you know, Bill Cosby's accuser and he was found guilty and he's got like three to 10 years, but mm-hmm. you're like, holy Toledo, that's not nearly enough. Um, and Andrea Constan's full statement from her victim report is just, it. I feel like it is at the same level of Dr. Ford's testimony for her opening statement of like, you can feel how this impact impacted 
them as people for mm-hmm. the rest of their lives. But getting to that, why didn't I say something sooner? It is, there's so much more there. And I think we need to encourage people to share in a way that makes them feel safe, but knowing that hopefully they're being able to help someone else in their um, in their own lives. And even if it's been 30, 50 years, it doesn't make it any less um, real for them. It, you can go right back to that day. Right. And I think in the realm that we're in, too, of saying like, all right, we've heard what we've heard. He's nominated. Right. And having that go forth and happen. What upsets me deeply is that that's an inadvertent and real acceptance of sexual assault in our culture. Right. Of just being like, "Eh, it's going to happen. Right. And that is not okay. Right. And what that does is it perpetuates the boys will be boys euphemism. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that that's necessarily something that should take place. And I think... As a, as a community, what are the things like it in me says? How do I have this conversation with someone with men in my life mm-hmm. to help them understand the impact? And I think what's difficult is that I haven't really been on the side of having a story to tell mm-hmm. from this perspective. Right. Like, luckily, thankfully, that there are moments that have been scary, right? but nothing that's led to this where I could be like, here's a story I can tell. So I think it kind of emanates in myself, like, what what can I actually do differently now? Or what, what are the things that I can say or share or teach people right. that help this? Because I think in that sense of the, you know, the why I didn't report, because the things that I'm seeing from social media standpoint, I'm like, I get it. If that happened to me, I probably wouldn't report it either. Right. Because everything that people say of like, this isn't why I did it. Like, I kept it to myself because of fear, because of re- like family, family, um, personal attacks, right. threats. All of these things are real yeah. and problematic. And it's the cultural implication too. I think I was reading something the other day that talked about specifically within certain cultures, if there is a sexual assault that happens to a person, there is so much more behind it than just not reporting. There's a family implication. There is the cultural moment where like, there's so much shame that's associated with it. And, and it is very sad to hear not just stories of some people, but stories of people of of color and difference and, and how all of those things are factored into the why I didn't report um, conversation. And it is just, it's like, it's just heartbreaking. And it's, um, it's really hard to talk about. And I think that the more that we can do, like you said, to educate people, I think about there was a huge chain that went through on Twitter of just people saying, like, I carry my keys in between my fingers. Oh, my gosh. I was just thinking of this exact same thing. It's just... Mind meld. And I think... Right. And I think that's the moment where it becomes very real for people. For Mostly, I mean, I understand that this absolutely happens to men and women. And I think that there is... A real, um, a real problem with the way s- some people talk about how this happens um, 
to men and and what comes after that moment and and their own stories and I think there is is something we really need to talk about with that as well um but women you know walking their cars at night and having their keys in between their fingers or when they're running on the street and having to wear certain clothes it's like I think it was jarring for people to see how much this runs through women's brains every moment of every day and every situation they find themselves in. How alone am I right now? What do I have in my bag? How can I protect myself if something happens? Like, I know that's how I think on a like a very regular basis. Um, and, and what are we doing to say that out loud and not just have it be a Twitter chain? But like you said, like, say it to someone. So it's real for someone else. So they're like, I'm not just like, I'm not crazy. And I'm not making this up. And I'm not paranoid. Because This is a real thing that happens to so many men and women. And we are constantly on the defense of saying like, okay, I'm totally squared up and I'm totally ready. And like, what am I going to do if something happens? And that is perpetuated by so many narratives that we don't take seriously Mm -hmm. because either we're like, it'll never happen to us or they're like, well, like no one's going to believe you anyway. So move it on. And it's just awful. Yeah, I think um, I was particularly touched or impacted by that feed because especially looking at it visually of like men mm-hmm. column, I don't think about it. Mm-hmm. And then the women column, column of like every possible scenario that you could be in. And I was like, I've thought every single thing that is listed here right? And in every situation. And it's now, it to me, it was just like, this is so subconscious that it's an automatic, I just go into protection mode. Yeah. Of like, I'm in an unsafe situation because I'm alone. Mm-hmm. What can I do? How do I prepare myself? What if someone walks up behind me? Mm-hmm. What do I do? Have I signed up for self-defense classes? The longer that I take to not sign up for them, the sooner I will be attacked. Right. Right. <laughs> Seriously. It's real things that you think about and worry about. And Dr. Ford's testimony in talking about like the weight of brett kavanaugh's body and like the things that she was saying that for in that moment are coming back instantly they are they are still so real and you think about that moment like can i can i push someone off me if if i'm attacked can i get away or like what's the what's my first move if something like that happens like her talking about that and i know it was so difficult like the things that i was reading from um sexual assault survivors and rape survivors of talking about like this is just it is triggering and it is very real and i thought all of those same things like am i going to die here how do i get out of this moment and, you know, and she did, but I think, you know, when we talk about that is the impact is all of us thinking about what if we were in that situation or I have been in that situation and we can't not talk about it at this point. We can't mm-hmm. sweep it under the rug. Um, so I think that kind of talks about, okay, so what is our next step? So what do we do yeah. now that we've, that we've been through her testimony and many others' testimonies? Yeah, and I think in in my mind, I'm still in that space of how do we make change? What do we do now? And it does overwhelm me to think, like, what can I specifically do? Right. And right now, all it is is, like, we're talking about it. Right. This is is what I know to do 
in the way that makes sense for us in the space that we're living in is, hey, we're bringing this up because we don't want you to forget about it. Right. Keep remembering it. Right. Keep thinking about this. Keep thinking about the women in your life. Think about the sons that you're raising. Mm -hmm. And every time there's a joke about it and every time, like, it's there's a really uncomfortable moment where you have to be the person that says, like, that's really not cool. And that's going to happen so many times. And I think there are people that are just dense when it comes to a lot of things but like if someone's around you making a joke about it stop them tell them that they've misstepped and don't laugh about it don't be like i don't you didn't mean it like that but like just so you know that's a really serious thing you're talking about like what sobers people really quickly is when you are not effing around and i think the more that we can like get rid of our kind of for me the default is always humor and the default is Mm -hmm. always like let me make everybody comfortable even though I'm serious and I'm over that I am over that I am tired of making other people comfortable when I am so uncomfortable it is done we are done with it because if you're gonna sit there and say things that are not okay and make things say things that are making other people uncomfortable I am going to turn that right back around and I have no more hard feelings about it because for a long time I really did and it's over now. Yeah, and the scary thing, I'm yes. <laughs> <laughs> um I'm on board for that cuz I w- actually was in a recent situation where someone I was at the gym and two older gentlemen were like I was just working out and they thought I couldn't hear anything, but I obviously could hear their entire conversation. Um and they were like, "Yeah, we prefer going here because, you know, the scenery's better." <laughs> Huh. And you turn around and say, I can hear you and you're not funny and it's not okay. And that those are things that from here on out, that's where I have to turn around and make that statement. Right. Of like, you know, sir, that's actually pretty inappropriate and I'm offended that you said that. Right. And you're the problem. Right. And someone was saying to me, I was like, you know, I don't get dressed up that often, but I was somewhere where I was a little bit more dressed up than usual. And someone was like, you should dress like that more often. And I was like, I'm not in a position of power. I don't feel it's appropriate for me to say anything, but I'm disgusted and I feel unsafe in this current situation. Yeah. And it is terrifying because I think that is the, what do we do next is tell people that that's inappropriate. But I totally understand the moment where you're like, how do I talk back to that person? It's not my place, in air quotes. Yeah. It's not my time. It's But it is. Right. But like, <laughs> I think that's the thing we come up against is like, okay, this incredibly brave woman, woman among many brave people have shared their story after the fact. And what's very sad is there was no moment for her to share her story then. And not that a crude comment is nearly the same as being sexually assaulted, but it makes you think, like, what's that next step? Right. What if I'm alone and that person who just said a really weird, gross thing to me is then alone with me? What do I do and how do I handle that? And how, right. how do I? So it's like cutting things off in that moment and making them known that it's not okay is going to be the hardest thing, but it is like hopefully some somehow preventative of either saying more things like that to more women or men and hopefully preventative of something else happening after that i got really hot just like a few seconds ago as you, you noticed yeah and it's because 
I know my nature. Mm-hmm. And I would do the same thing as you. of just like, you made me uncomfortable, but I'm not going to say anything. Right. And that can't happen anymore. Right. And the way that we prevent or do our part as people who like, this is the situa- situation I found myself in. Mm-hmm. And because of it, here's how I speak up. Right. Here's how I share my story. Yeah. Of like, hey, sir, you shouldn't speak to women like that anymore. Right. And like in the face you're making right now, I was like, I'm sorry I said that. <laughs> I don't know what I just said. But it's like, and it's like, you, we have to change the way we are as people, mm-hmm. I think. Like for you and I, at least. I'm, and I think, better at that, but. I think the other thing too is that like, it's the the reason that these moments are going to come up still is because these people it's like second nature it's ingrained in them it's how they've always been it's how they've talked it's how they were raised there's so many problems with all of that mm-hmm. but they won't learn anything until they're retaught right. how to behave mm-hmm. and what's infuriating is when people say it's a scary world out there for men watch yourselves you oh. might just get accused and it's like no sir I'm going to shut you down right. the second that you say something that makes me uncomfortable because, yes, we live in a different world now. And you can't tell me that I should dress nicely more in the future. Right. Because it's pleasing to your eye. Right. And I'm like, that's super gross. So gross. Just super gross. And I agree. Right now I'm like, like I'm going to wear sweatpants and like the baggiest sweatshirt and the grossest face and no makeup right. to the gym. Because I don't want you looking at anything nice. Right. And like, and honestly, what's even scarier is like, that doesn't deter people. Yeah. And, and that's like, not, what I just said is not helping. Right. <laughs> but that's, that's the, perpetuating it. That's the ongoing education. <laughs> I think it's like, we're in this Me Too movement. And I listened to a podcast um, called Keep It from Crooked Media. And what, you know, Kara Brown, shout out to Kara Brown, has been talking about so much is that like, everybody's saying like who's gonna me too next and like making it this like funny light-hearted narrative that like isn't funny or light-hearted and it's it is oof, it is our jobs and i think our own duties to shut that down as mm-hmm. soon as we possibly can and i think as far as like what's next and and what's happening what's what was great to hear and unfortunate to hear at the same time was that after dr ford's testimony there was a 200% increase in calls to a crisis hotline so it's like okay there there's people now speaking up there are people saying their truth there are people that are coming i think they are facing something that is incredibly hard to face and and there are people there to support them while they do it and so if calling a crisis hotline is the way that you are able to face that in a way or say it out loud for the first time or even whisper it or write it down somehow I think like that is her that is part of her impact and that's part of the what's next of all of this is like more people are feeling like they can say something yeah we're not backing down no and you shouldn't either no um another motivator mm mm-hmm Head to the polls, folks. Took a, a hard left. <laughs> we will never give up on the voting conversation. I think it's important also to use this as an opportunity to say, okay, we're in a position where the Senate and other political bodies are not exactly where we want them to be. Right. 
from our own personal <laughs> and hopefully your personal political standpoints as listeners of Queen Speaking. <laughs> um, so it's an, an important conversation to say that this is your t- opportunity to use your voice and use your vote mm-hmm. in that way. Mm-hmm. Of If this is your one step, do that. Right. Right. And that's a powerful step. That is a powerful step that I read something today that was like, there's a lot of good people that don't vote and which makes a lot of bad people come to power. And I think that that is a very true statement. I think a lot of people don't think of it as their priority. They don't think of it as their job. Um, And often those people are in a position of privilege and, um, we have to we have to find a way. And I think that there are also a lot of people who don't have the opportunity to get to the polls. And if you are part of a community where you know there are people who want to vote and aren't able to get to their polling place or aren't able to um, check if they're registered or not, like make yourself a volunteer. Get, get in your car and drive some people or set up a system where you can stand outside at a populated area and check if people are registered to vote or not. Like figure out a way to make an impact in addition to getting your voice heard through your vote because there's a lot of people who want to and don't have the opportunity to and we need to do everything we can to make that possible for them and we are able to do that so personal pledge Woo! doing it registered yes registered i'll drive people whatever we have to do (laughs) we can walk together do it as a group i've got a big car can fit some people in my car so carpools carpools all day um and for everything around this it is about educating yourself if you are not a person who's experienced this kind of awful awful thing there are so many people who are coming forward with their why i didn't why didn't i report stories and you can educate yourself from those stories and they're very powerful not just emotionally but they they move you to act they move you to do something and figuring out what that thing is is the most important part but start there and it is really hard to read those stories but it is necessary if we're going to move forward in any way here and i think having perspective is vital to this place that we're in in order for you as someone who may not have to report something Mm -hmm. or share your story this is how you can speak up is speak for them right absolutely so we got a lot of work to do we're ready and if you guys have ideas queens share them with us share them so many many thanks to dr ford and to all of the men and women who have shared everything that they've gone through i think we owe you a huge debt of gratitude for being so brave and and helping us all learn how to use our own voices differently and better in a way that will hopefully promote change to happen and not allow people that don't believe you or don't take you seriously or think that this highest court in the land is just like a play place that allows people to just go on with the nomination. Like that is not okay. And that's not what we're here for. So we can only hope that by the time of this released episode we'll have some answers and uh we'll have kind of an agenda on how to move forward that we will that we will shall we break let's break feeling like a queen yet find us on instagram and twitter at queen underscore speaking and tell us all about it find episode links and show notes at queenspeaking.com see you next week